What's going on, Faith Church? Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to have you here. Welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And again, it is always our privilege to have each and every one of you here, whether you're here live, whether you're watching online. And uh, we just pray each and every week, man, that God would show up, that you would experience his presence, his life change, that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Amen. Well, hey, listen, before we jump into the message, I just want to just issue this challenge. Um, again, we, we keep saying it, we've been saying it, we know that y'all are praying for us, but we are two weeks away from launching our campus in Lawrenceburg. And the reason, and I won't get into all of them, other than ultimately, we just feel like this is what God called us to do, but we have a large contingency of people that live in Lawrenceburg throughout Middle Tennessee who are making the trip. So we thought it would just be a great place to plant a campus. And so with that in mind, the goal is to provide the same experience that people get here, there. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. If you are from Lawrenceburg or Middle Tennessee, we know most people are part of the serve team up there. We have about 60 people on the serve team. We're excited for that. But we know some people have said, man, we love faith in Florence, and we're just going to keep coming here. And at the end of the day, we respect that, and we want to give you the opportunity to make your own choice. But here's what I would ask. If you live in Lawrenceburg or Middle Tennessee, I would ask that you at least attend the opening weekend. And if I could extend it so far, I would ask that you attend the opening series. It's four weeks. If after the four weeks you decide this is where you want to be, then we're all good. But please, if you are from Lawrenceburg or Middle Tennessee, make Lawrenceburg your home at least September 9th. Consider doing it for four weeks all the way through that series to create momentum and energy and uh, for you to experience what we're doing right in your own backyard. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. You guys ready today? Yeah. All right. Well, listen, how many people here have ever been misdiagnosed? I say misdiagnosed like you knew something was wrong, and so you went to the professionals who was supposed to tell you what was wrong with you and fix you, and, uh, and you know, you went and it just didn't pan out. And I don't mean just a medical doctor, right? I know people that, right, have gone to doctors and they knew something wasn't right, they knew something was wrong, and, um, and, I, and I appreciate and respect everybody in the medical field. And my doctor told me one time that's why it's called practice, it's not called perfect, because it's a process. But, right, we all know people that have gone to the doctors, knew something was wrong, and, you know, you got treated for several things only to find out that you were misdiagnosed, therefore, right, the prescription was wrong. Uh, I know uh, several years ago when we moved, we moved into a brand new home in, uh, in Center Star, and uh, we were the only there for a few weeks, had never had a dishwasher. Well, I had a dishwasher. We've had a dishwasher the whole time we were married, but um, the dishwasher used to be named Shauna, and now, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I, I help sometimes, but, uh, right, so we like had a dishwasher, and it was, it was great to have this dishwasher, but we were only there in the home for a few weeks brand new appliances, and all of a sudden, our dishwasher started backing up and leaving a puddle in the bottom. So, you know, we, we called tech support. Um, typically, it's something that I would fix, but it's got a warranty. So we called tech support. They sent a tech out, and this guy's fiddling with this thing for about an hour. And after about an hour, he's like, all right, Mr. Husky, I got it all taken care of. It just needed some tweaks and adjustments. You should be fine now. And so he leaves, and like, sure enough, the first time we run the dishwasher, it's the same problem. There's a puddle right? I mean, I know there's a problem, but if you have the wrong diagnosis, you're always going to have the wrong prescription. So I call them back. Hey, listen, I know you guys were just here, but we're experiencing the same problem. If you could send a tech out. So they send a tech out a second time. Everybody say a second time. Second time. This guy comes out. He's there for about an hour. Here he switches out a $500 part, the whole circuit board. He switches it out, puts a brand new one in. He's there for about an hour. And he's like, Mr. Husky, we're sure we have taken care of the problem right this time. Everything should be golden. You're good to go. All right, thank you. High five. And he leaves. First time we wash the dishes. Same problem, right? It's got this same puddle 
underneath. It's there. So I call them back. Come on, because when you misdiagnose the problem, you're always going to, right? You're always going to give the wrong prescription. And so I call them back a third time. They send a different guy out, and he's going through everything the previous guys have gone through. And you can tell he's frustrated. You can tell he's a little exasperated, and he's tweaking with things. I think he's cussing under his breath. I'm not sure. And so I'm sitting at our bar. I'm kind of, I'm not hovering, but I'm just trying to figure out what this clown is doing because and I pull up Google because everybody knows you can find anything on Google. So I Google dishwater uh, in the bottom of a dish, uh, you know, um, dishwasher, like a puddle of water. And the first thing it pulls up is if you have, um, what's it called? Uh, cut your food up. And what is it? Yeah, a garbage disposal. If you have a garbage disposal, one of the number one reasons that your thing will back up is it gets clogged. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, Hey, did you check the line between the garbage disposal and the dishwasher? For real, he opens it up and he's like, right there's your problem. I'm like, yeah, right, I found it. I should get paid. I should get the $85 an hour. I mean, I'm telling you, really, I'm like, are you kidding me? So here's the crazy thing. Again, is all of us, we have experienced times in our lives, whether it's our car, whether it's our physical body, whether it's other appliances, where something is misdiagnosed. We know there's a problem, but if you don't diagnose it correctly, you can't treat it correctly. And I want to say all that because we all know that there's something wrong with our world. Like, we all know it. All you have to do is, is jump on the news on the internet or open up a newspaper. All you have to do is get past 30 and get out of bed in the morning. Come on. Live life long enough and we all know that something is wrong with our world. It is filled with hate and racism and war and disease and jealousy and strife and division and anger and sickness and rape. I mean, this world is broken and upside down. And we all know something's wrong with it. The problem is we keep trying to fix it. And I just want you to know today, listen, if you misdiagnose a problem, you will mistreat the problem. And no matter how hard we try to fix this broken world, it doesn't matter how many elections we have. It doesn't matter how many people we put in office. It doesn't matter how many nonprofits we start. It doesn't matter how many social ministries we start. It doesn't matter how many tears we cry. It does not matter because as long as we are trying to treat the problem that we don't understand, we will never treat it correctly. This world is broken, and we can't fix it. Like, we can't. There's things we can do to maybe make it a little bit better, to make it a little more tolerable. But no matter who we put in office, there will still be wars and strife. No matter how many doctors and how many breakthroughs, there will still be sickness and death. No matter how many marriage seminars we have, there will still be divorce and strife. No matter what we do to make this world a better place, it is broken and beyond our repair. And so I know we know something's wrong. But the question is, right, what's wrong? What is wrong with this world? Two words. Man broken, right? We're in this series that we started several weeks ago entitled Doctrine for Dummies. And we're just looking at several of the key doctrines, the key biblical teachings of what we believe, right? Things that God's word lays out, and we could really do this series forever. But we've just tackled kind of the big four. And in the big four, here's what we've tackled. God good, devil bad, man broken, and Jesus saves. I mean, I just want to give a shout out for week four. Come on, Jesus saves. Anybody here thankful today that we have a big God who loves us endlessly? Right? And so week one, we talked about that God is, God is good and he does good. 
that the God we serve, he is ultimately holy and right. He's the standard for good. And it's not just who he is. He wants good for us. He wants to bless us, and he wants to fill our life with the good that he is. Last week, we talked about that the devil is bad, and he wants bad for us. And he's doing everything he can to tempt us, to deceive us, to distract us, and get us outside of God's plan for our life. And so if you did not get either one of those messages, I would encourage you to go back. Because the goal of this series is not just to educate us. It's not just so we have some quick tips on what we believe. The goal is the formation of our faith. Like if you believe that God is good, it ought to drive your prayers. It ought to drive you to ask God for big things. It ought to believe that God's going to show up in your life. You ought to believe that God's goodness and grace and mercy and joy is going to be a part of who you are because he is good and he wants good for us. Right? You ought to recognize that there is a devil. He is real and he wants bad which means sometimes some of the stuff you're going through, you ought to have faith to believe that there's a devil in the background who's fighting against your marriage, fighting against your destiny, fighting against your kids, fighting against your purpose. And one of the ways that we overcome isn't just getting better, but it's engaging in spiritual warfare and believing that God's given us authority to pray against everything the enemy's doing and that we can overcome. And so this is about forming our faith. And so today, man broken. Everybody say that, those two words, man broken. Well, How? How did, we, how did we get here? What caused us to be broken? What put this, this world upside down? What turned us to the place that we are? Well, if you go back in, uh, in December 7, 1941, at that time, the President of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he stated this line. Many of you have maybe heard it in, in, in speeches that have been broadcast or um, it's something we, we remember every year as a country. He made this statement in response to the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor. He said this, that it was a day which would live in infamy. What he was saying was it was such a tragic day for our nation that we'll always remember it and we'll always be shaped by it. And, and no, no doubt that's true, but there is a, there's another day, come on, which will live in infamy. And it didn't just impact one country. It's impacted every nation on the planet. It didn't, it didn't impact one group of people. It's impacted every person that's ever lived. And that is the fall of man. The fall of man. Now, the fall, if you don't know what that is, we're going to get into that today. But the fall, it's almost, man, that's almost too civil of a term. Like, that's almost too gentle, the fall. I mean, it just sounds like we just tripped and some, we, just, we just need to get back up. Like, it should be called the devastation, the destruction the obliteration. It should have like some undertone music to it when we say it because it really is that bad. So we talk about the fall of man. Man is broken. Why, why we struggle, why we have grief, why we have tension, why things are breaking down, why we're divided. What's behind it all? And it's the fall. The fall we, we find all the way back in Genesis, right? We went through some of these scriptures last week, so for time we won't today, but Genesis 3 ends us in this place where, again, there's a good God who makes a good creation. He puts everything good in place. He makes us good, right? And, and all of a sudden, not just us, but he makes man a good wife. Everything is good. But we see Genesis 3 that the serpent comes on the scene. Satan shows up. And again, we, last week we said it, that Satan, he's a tempter. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he comes and he tempts Eve. And he tempts her just, not just to disobey, but to disbelieve. In fact, anytime you disobey God, that's always happened because first you, disbe you disbelieve God. So, right? Anytime you feel like you got to do it in your own strength, you got to do it in your own way, you got to fulfill your desires in your own ability, it's because you didn't believe that you serve a good God who's going to bless you in the right time in the right way. 
And so Satan believes the temptation, or Eve believes the temptation of Satan. She disbelieves that God is good, and she disobeys, and some of you might know the story, but ultimately God said, you can eat any fruit in the garden, but there's one tree, don't eat from it. You say, well, why would God put the tree there? Because it set man up to have a free will. If you're forced to love somebody, it's not really love. But when you have a choice to love somebody, that's what true love is. So the tree was always there to say, you pick and choose what you want. Do you want the tree or do you want me? And so Satan comes and leverages that temptation. And, and not only does Eve eat the fruit, but Adam, we get the picture standing right there, and he, he falls. He falls. He sins. Sin is to miss the mark. It's to fall short. It's to break God's law. It's to not do the right thing. It's to do the wrong thing. Like ultimately, we need to say it this way. He blew it. Anybody else in this room ever blow it? Anybody else ever fall short? Anybody else ever, ever miss the mark? Is there any imperfect people in the house make some noise? That's all of us. So where did it come from? It came from that moment that Adam and Eve disbelieved and disobeyed God and the fell and the fall happened, right? The, the fall happened. But to say the fall, like you got to back up a little before that and say, where do we fall from, right? We're, the, fall, the fall from what? We fell into sin, but what do we, we fall from? Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 tells us what we fell from. Check this out. When God was making everything, it said this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? God made us to be like him. We, are, we have the imago Dei. That's Latin for we carry the image of God. Like that's who we have in us. That's who we are. We're, we are image bearers. We are God carriers. But you go all the way back to the beginning when God, a good God, made a good man and he made him in his image, made him in his likeness. What does that mean? That meant at that time, God, he set man up to do this, to, to perfectly, to perfectly know God's character and reflect God's character. Like nobody has known God like Adam. There's still a divide. There's still, right, we still wrestle because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. Like Adam and Eve, like they didn't struggle. God, are you there? I think you're there. I'm pretty sure. Like he was there hanging out with them, right? He was there walking with them in the garden. So again, Adam, he had this, he had this, perfect, he had this perfect understanding of God's character and this perfect reflection of God's character. That's what it means to be made in the image of God is Adam and Eve were God's special creation and special reflection. Everything else God made in the garden, he made with his word. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea. But you know how he made us? He didn't make us with his word. The Bible said he took the dust of the earth and he formed us. He made everything else with his word, but he made us with his hands. Come on, you are a special creation and a special reflection. When I say a special reflection, what I mean by this is this, is that Adam and Eve perfectly reflected the character of God. Now, that didn't mean they were God. Like, there's only one God, and you're not it, and neither am I, and neither were they. But they perfectly reflected his character. God was holy. So was Adam and Eve. They, God was merciful. So was Adam and Eve. God was perfectly loving. So was Adam and Eve. Right? Everything that made God who he was, his attributes, his character, Adam and Eve perfectly reflected it. It's, it's like, um, 
If you guys have never seen my, my son, I have two daughters and a son. Like, there's, there's no mistake, he's mine. Yes, Come on, some thank you, Jesus. There's no question. No DNA test necessary here. You will not see us on a, <laughs> you won't see us on a Jerry Springer show. And the DNA belongs to, right? I mean, there's just no question he's mine. And I, I love it, man. It's so crazy looking at pictures when I was his age and looking at him now, like, man, we are two peas in a pod. A lot of times we're driving down the road and I look in the mirror and I'm like, mm, mm, mm. Son, your future is bright. Dad, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at this mirror right here. This is what's in your future. And he's got the big stiff hair that I had when I was his age, which I didn't like when I was his age, but I celebrate it now because when all my friends are bald, I'm like, son, listen, when all your, when all your buddies are bald, you still going to have hair. Give me five, right? That's from me, right? He reflects my image. He reflects my character, right? And he reflects not just the, some of the looks, but he reflects a lot of my characters. Anybody here, anybody here remember when you acted like your parents for the first time? You're like, I'll never act like that. And then you catch yourself acting like that. You're like, where did that come from? Because they had passed on. Listen to this. Your, your creator, your parents passed on to you their character that was passed on from their character, that was passed on from their character, that was passed on from their character. We were supposed to be perfect reflections of God because we are made in the image of God. But something happened. It was the fall when mankind sinned, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and disbelieved God. That image is still there. That's why abortion's wrong. That's why euthanasia is wrong. Because every man, every person, it doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are, they are still image bearers. They still carry the Imago Dei. They still have essence and humanity. But listen, it's not what it was. It's been marred. It's been lost. It's been twisted. Because what we once had, we don't have it on the level we had. Come on. In fact, Adam says, or Romans says it this way. Romans says, when Adam sinned, watch this, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to who? Everyone. Everyone. For everyone's sin. See, Adam was our forefather, and he wasn't, he wasn't just the first father, but he's our representative as for humanity. And so he passed on, not what God gave him, he passed on what he ended up with because of disobedience. And he passed on that broken spiritual DNA to us. Now that's who we are. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not fair. Because Adam's sin, now it's on us. I love it because Paul, notice he makes this point here. He says, right, it's kind of Adam's fault. Like it started with him, Adam's sin, and sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. We're like, well, what? That's not my fault. Then notice the last three words there. Come on, y'all got to read them now for everyone's sin. So if you're like, wait a minute, that's not right. Paul's like, well, don't worry, you sin too. Like before you get all self-righteous and say, well, I don't deserve to be a part of the fall because of what Adam and Eve did. Paul's like, well, you're just as guilty, not just by original sin of sin being passed on to your essence and your nature. Like, we are sinners, not just by action. We are sinners by essence. Like, that's what's been passed on to us. That's what's been delivered to us through generations, through the fall. And so he says, hey, man, listen. So we understand it this way, right? The way you know, the way you know that we're fallen, that we're broken, besides the obvious of what we see and what we feel, like, all you got to do is hold us up to the original, right? What was the original? The original was ultimately God. Well, when you hold us up to the original, right, you see how broken we are. Again, it says, but it just makes it really clear, right? Adam sinned, sin entered the world. That's what the law is for. You know, that's why God gave us his law. The goal of the law was never to make you good. 
It wasn't keep the law, and if you can obey God's law, you're good. The purpose of the law was to show us how jacked up we really are. Come on. Paul said the purpose of the law was to take us to school. Anybody ever get taken to school before? That's what the law does. The law takes us to school. Paul said the law is my schoolmaster. You say, what do you, what do you mean? Because here's some of the law, right? Um, don't kill. Don't steal. Uh, we're already in trouble. Some of you are like, man, I've not killed anybody in like two whole weeks. But you wanted to. And Jesus said, if, a, if whatever a man thinks in his heart, that's him. So you, and don't commit adultery, right? I mean, we think, we think we're so right. Oh, I'm such a good person. I've not killed anybody my whole life. I've never robbed a bank or anything. And Jesus comes along. And he says, listen, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal, right? Don't take God's name in vain. And we're like, man, I've never done any of those things. But then Jesus says, listen, if you've ever lusted after a woman, come on, all the men in the house and all the women in the house who've ever lusted after men. If you've ever lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you've ever, if you've ever hated someone in your heart, you've already murdered. Like I've murdered like 10,000 drivers since I've been on the road. Come on, somebody. Like I murder people on the regular on the road. I'm a, come on, I'm a serial killer on the road. Right? And so that's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to say, listen, this world is messed up and we know it. But if you think you're not part of the problem, then hold yourself up to the original and you'll see how far you've fallen. It's like finding a high school picture when I was 6'3", 185. I think I look good now until I see me then. I'm like, sweet Lord, what happened? The fall of mankind. It's the fall. That's what, it's not the donuts. It's the fall. Come on, anybody here know what I'm talking about? So that's, that's what it's for is to show us we're broken, to show us who we were and how we were, but we've fallen. Now, we still have the image in us because now we have it in, in, a, we have it in a measure. We don't, we're not perfect anymore, right? We still have the ability to love, but we love for selfish reasons. Sometimes we love not to love people, but to love for what's in it for us. Come on, sometimes, right, we have the ability to show mercy, but often we'd rather show revenge. Come on, I wish y'all would help me today, right? So we still have the ability to reflect God's nature, but it's so twisted and it's so perverted that it's not carried out because of original sin. I got on the plane to come home and I was getting on this plane. And, and so I'm very careful when I, when, I, when I book flights, if I can, I always try to get an aisle seat and I always try to, I always try to get in the emergency row. When they come through and they're like, uh, you know, are you ready in case of emergency? I'm like, listen, I'm the man for the job. But really, I hope nothing bad goes wrong because I will panic and everyone will die in flames and hopefully everybody's going to heaven. But I just do it for the leg room. Come on, baby. So I try to get an aisle seat or I try to get an exit. So I'm getting on this plane. I'm like one of the last ones on the plane because I had a real tight connection. And I saw just in front of me this family of like five people. It was a husband, wife, and three kids. One of them was a real small baby. And I'm going to get, and as I'm headed to my seat, I notice someone sitting in my seat. And it's this, it's this guy, and he's sitting next to his wife on the other aisle and a kid, and then the other two kids are up front. And as I'm coming there, the stewardess is like, um, are you Mr. Husky? I'm like, yeah. She said, she said would you mind sitting um, by the window? I swear, I, I said no, I don't mind. But out of my mouth came yes. For real, I'm like, yes, but I'll do it. I mean, <laughs> like everybody looked at me like, for real. I'm like, no, man, sit with your family. But I'm like, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Do you know what? Come on. Y'all look at me all self-right like, 
I can't even believe him. I thought he loved Jesus. I do, but I'm falling just like you are. I'm broken just like you are. I'm messed up just like you are. That's the point is every time we try to do good and fall short, it's a reminder that we're broken and it's not the president and it's not the Congress and it's not that nation. And it's not that group of people. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all falling. Come on, somebody. We all need Jesus. And so ultimately, sin has infected and affected all of us. Sin has infected. It's not in notes, but you need to write this down. It's infected and affected all of us. Sin, it spread to all of creation. It didn't just impact us. Think about this. As beautiful as creation is, this is the fallen creation. You think stars, you think flowers, you think nature's beautiful now. You should have saw it in its pristine state when it was good. This is the fallen version. You think you're good looking now, baby. You should have saw you in your pristine state. But sin has affected us and it's infected us. It's like a disease. Everywhere we go, we infect it with disease. Every relationship, we infect it with the disease of sin. Every conversation, every entertainment, everything we do, every politic, it's all infected with sin because we can't help but to pass it on because we've been affected and infected. We keep passing it on. Again, Romans 3.23, for everyone sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Come on, that's all of us. When I say man has fallen, I don't mean just Adam and Eve. I don't mean just the people you don't like. I don't mean just the people you think, yeah, they really need Jesus. Mankind, all of us, we are still image bearers. We've lost our original image. We've fallen from our original creation because of sin. And here's what you need to know is, man, we, we didn't just lose our original image. We've lost our intended possessions. You know, being in relationship with God the way Adam and Eve were, man, there's some stuff that God had for mankind for us. And because of Adam and Eve's disbelief and disobedience and because of ours, we've lost some of the things God's wanted us to possess. And I want to just roll through them real quick. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at some scripture. Here's several things that Adam and Eve lost and lost it for all of us. Thanks, Adam and Eve, for nothing. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing Adam and Eve lost for mankind is peace with God. Peace with God. Notice this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. This is right after the fall. This is right after Adam and Eve disobey and disbelieve God. It says, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing. Isn't that like pleasant? It's like, oh, this is going to be such a great scene. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. They ran. Why? Because they had peace with God, but because of sin, they had shame and guilt. Every time you hang your head, when you mess up, you know where that comes from? It's a part of the curse. It's a part of the fall. We had peace with God, but we lost it. And that's what makes us want to run from God. That's what makes us afraid of God. It's not who God is. It's who we are because of sin. Right? I remember when I was, um, when I was a teenager, right, all the hair bands were in, uh, you know, Poison and uh, Kiss. And, you know, and I wanted to look like them because they was getting the women. And I wanted some of the women they were getting. And since I couldn't play a guitar and I wasn't going to wear makeup and travel, I could get a big gold cross earring. Come on, somebody. Whew, I could do that. But I wasn't allowed to have an earring, so I, a buddy of mine pierced my ear. Come on, anybody here ever pierced their own ear? Don't act like you didn't. Come on, don't leave me up here, please. Thank you. Thank you. So a buddy of mine pierced my ear. And since I couldn't have an earring, every day when I would go home, I would take it out. And then in the morning when I'd leave for school, I'd put it back in. And you couldn't wear it in school, so then I'd take it back out. And then at the end of the day, I'd put it back in before I go home. 
Let me just say my ear was like this big and red. But I look good. And so taking it out and putting it in and taking it out and putting it in. Uh, one day I went in, the, went in the house and I forgot to take it out. And so I walked right in and uh, I walked into my parents and I'm like, you know, talking. My, my mom's like, hey, what's that in your ear? I didn't have any idea. In the moment I froze. So the only thing I knew what to do was to run out of the room. Like, I, it just gave me a few minutes to, like, pull it out and, like, think of an excuse. Like, you didn't see it. That was a... Uh, see, what had happened was light had reflected off the ceiling, and you thought it was an earring, you know? Like, that's what Adam and Eve did. Because of shame and guilt, they ran and hid. God wants us to have peace, but sin brings us guilt and shame. Not only that, but they had health. Do you know God intended us never to be sick? Come on, somebody. It's still the will of God. Here's what the Bible says. Watch this. When God begins to let Adam and Eve know the result. Again, when you hear the curse of God, it is God cursing, but it's not God saying, this is what I want for you. It's not really God's curse as much as it's man's choice. We chose to walk away from God. And when you walk away from God, you lose the benefits of God. Come on. When you quit a good job, you leave the paycheck and benefits behind. And when you quit a good God, you leave the paycheck and benefits behind. So not only did they lose, right, the, the peace that they had, they, they lost their health. Here's what it says. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you'll give birth. So this wasn't just pregnancy. In fact, we read throughout kind of scripture like that, what made uh, pregnancy really sharp and painful and hard. Ultimately, man, that's it's a represent, representation of physical sickness that all of us now feel as a result of the fall, the devastation the obliteration. It came because of disbelief and disobedience. Not only that, but originally we had peace with others, man. Like there was perfect tranquility. There was perfect connection. However, we lost it. In fact, notice again what God says to Eve. He says, again, because this is the only relationship at the time, that's why he's only addressing this one, but this impacted every relationship now. He says to Eve, and you will desire to control your husband. Oh, I just preached right there. Come on, listen, man. Every time your wife tells you to get your feet off the couch and go pick your underwear up the floor, right, and tells you, like, you, this, you need to wear this. Listen, babe, that's part of the curse. Don't control me. You're walking in the curse. Come on, somebody. Woo, you like that, right? I set some men free right there. He says this. He says, and you'll desire to control your husband, and he'll rule over you. Do you know why you see? You know, there's no nation on the planet. There's no people group on the planet where women are ruling men. But unfortunately, all over this world, from the business world to second and third world countries, all over this world, men are ruling women. And do you know why? It's not because women are not our equal. It's because it is part of the curse. It's part of the destruction that happened. Originally, Adam and Eve were equal. In Christ, the Bible says we are equal. But outside of a relationship with God, women are fighting to be first and men are fighting to keep them down. It's part of the curse. Come on. Are y'all need to help me? All the feminists in the house need to show me some love. Somebody. Here's the biggest one. Watch this. We lost favor. We lost favor with God. You know what favor is? Favor is you can get more than you can ever get because of God's grace and you could ever work for in your own strength. Watch what it says right here. And he said to the man, watch this. Since you listened to your wife, you ought to highlight that, and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground, watch this, is cursed because of you. All your life, you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. And it will grow thorns and thistles for you. 
Though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground. What he's saying is this. He's saying, you can, he's saying you're going to work harder than you've ever had to work, Adam, and you're going to get less than you've ever gotten because I used to bless you. And what you did, you did in my strength and you did in my favor. And I was blessing and giving grace upon everything you did. God said, now because you've chose to disbelieve and disobey, you're on your own. Let's see how well you fare in your own strength. You can plow and you can plant and you're going to eat, but you're not going to get what you used to get. There's something about God's grace and God's favor. And I want you to know something. God's grace and favor is still available because of Jesus. That's why the Bible says his promises are yes and amen. God wants to get you back into the place where you're blessable. And that only comes when you're in a relationship with Jesus. And he says this, right? Then the last thing that we suffered, here's the last three. These last three really tie together is physical death. Do you know Adam and Eve, do you know they would have lived forever? They would have lived forever. But because of the fall, because of sin, remember I already read in Romans 5 that sin brought death and death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Here's the way God said it to Adam, for you were made from the dust and to dust you'll return. It was never God's plan for man to go back to dust, but because of sin. And this is what God said. He said, listen, when you disobey me, he told Adam and Eve, he said, listen, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this tree. For the day you do it, you'll surely die. Remember, remember, the, remember the Satan? He said, listen, you won't die. Come on, man. God's, just, God's lying to you. He's trying to keep good from you. You won't die. And God shows up and says, sure enough, you're going to die. And we follow Adam and Eve, and eventually Adam dies, and Eve dies, and your grandparents died, and your parents maybe have passed away. And one day you'll pass away, and your kids will pass away, and your grandkids will pass away. And it was never intended to be that way. The sickness we go through and the grief we feel was never intended in the heart of God. It was never, he's a good God who wants good for us. It's not his curse, it's our choice. Come on, somebody. And so it wasn't just a physical death. This is so important. I'm about, to, I'm about to round home right here. It wasn't just a physical death. See, I'm, I want you all to hear this. When, when you give your life to Christ, you're a spirit, a soul, and a body. A spirit, a soul, and a body. Everybody say that, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your spirit is your inner man. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. And your outer man is this thing right here that you're looking at. A spirit, a soul, and a body. When you give your life to Christ, immediately your spirit is made right with God. Immediately you're forgiven. Immediately your spirit is a child of God. And then we live a life of growing to become who we are. We change the way we think. We change the way we live with God's strength and God's help. But this body still one day is going to die. But you know, ultimately in heaven, you're going to get a brand new body. So your spiritly, your spirit is immediately made whole. You live a life of your soul becoming whole, and one day your body will be whole. It moves from the inside out. Y'all see that? Sin does the same thing. It moves from the inside out. Because he said the day you eat it, you're going to die. He didn't say eventually. What did he say? He said the day you eat it, you'll die. So before their physical death, there was a spiritual death. That same day, Genesis 3.23, so the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. It wasn't because of what was in the garden. It's because of who was in the garden. God separated man because of their sin. God separated him from them. That's what spiritual, that's what spiritual death is. 
When you're separated from God because of sin, that's what spiritual death is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you who were once dead in your trespasses and your sins, for you come to Jesus, you're dead. Some of you maybe who are new to church or spiritual things, you've heard maybe this phrase, and it sounds weird to be born again, and, and the world's made so much fun of it. Oh, you're a born again. Heck to the yes, I'm a born again. I'm thankful for it. Do you know why I needed to be born again? Because the last me was dead spiritually. And Jesus said, listen, unless a man is born again, he'll not see the kingdom of God. I'm spiritually dead. When I come to Jesus, I'm spiritually alive. And I start living that out and walking that out in my life, in my behavior, in my actions, in my decision. But, spirit, or but sin, they died spiritually. They were separated immediately from God's presence. Eventually, they physically died. And the third death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. If you die disconnected, you will be disconnected for all eternity. And that's all the fall. Tomorrow when you get out of bed and you feel a creak or a pain, it's the fall. And you've got strife with your kids and you're yelling at them and man, you get in a big fight before they go to school, it's the fall. You're in the tug of war for the fast lane on the way to work, it's the fall. You turn on the news and you hear another war, it's the fall. Dislike another tweet, it's the fall. But I want you to hear this. This is really, really important. The fall is an explanation of how we got here. It's not an excuse to stay here. So you can't say, well, it's just who I am, right? Pastor told me, like, man, Adam sinned. He passed it on to me. Listen, I got some, I got some bad in me still, and I see it in my son. And just because I passed it on him genetically, God still gives us the power of moral choice. And even better than that, Come on, everybody say that. Even better than that. Through grace, he gives us a new beginning. We're going to talk about it in detail next week as we close this series. But all across this room, will you bow your heads and your hearts? Me, Father, I thank you, God, that you've given us an understanding of why this world is broken. And God, we keep misdiagnosing it. We keep thinking the answer is the right person in office or the right ministry started or, or the, right, the right social program put in place. God, we just believe if you'll take out the dictators and we'll put in democracy, that God, that'll fix this broken world. But we recognize that God, as long as we keep misdiagnosing it, we'll keep mistreating it. God, the diagnosis is every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, we have been infected and affected by sin. And it separated us from who we were and what we had. If you're here in this room, you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I, 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 man, I, I'm experiencing that in my marriage, in my home, in my life, in my body. If you're here, you say, Pastor Steve, man, I, I, I feel and I see the consequences of sin all around me, and I need prayer. I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, all across this room. Man, I'm seeing it. I'm feeling it. I'm experiencing it. Come on, that'll be every hand in this house. Man, I need just God's grace to help me through it. Father, I pray for all of us in this room, that God, as long as we're in this fallen world, we're going to be affected by it. But God, I thank you that grace is available. And Lord, I pray over every person in this room that God, they would walk in the grace that Jesus has made available. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just give you one opportunity. Ultimately, again, the answer is Jesus. See, the thing I love about the story of the fall, again, Adam and Eve, they had a choice and they disobeyed God. And the very first thing that happened after it was God came looking for Adam and Eve. He knew it, man. He knew where they were at. He knew what they did. And he wasn't like, oh, well, tough on them. They made their bed. They can lie. The first thing a good God did 
was come looking for a broken man. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to know that God loves you and he's looking for you. And he's been chasing you and he wants a relationship with you because he knows when you'll reconnect with him, that's where you'll find life and that's where you'll find favor and that's where you'll find healing and that's where you'll find grace. It's not in your choices as much as it's in your choice to put your trust in Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I've never given my life to Jesus. And today I want to say yes to his grace. If you recognize you're broken and you recognize today you can't fix yourself, I want you to know that's why Jesus came. So if you've never said yes to him, you've never said yes to his grace, and today's your day. If you're even watching online, you can respond to this. But if that's you right here, if you want me to include you in this prayer as I close, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to lift a hand. Is there anyone here? Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that we recognize that we're sinners, that we're broken. We're thankful that Jesus, you came as our Savior. We commit our trust to you and our hope in you. Come and forgive us of our sin. Come and make us whole and reconnect us with our Creator. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that, if you'll do us a favor, take out a smart device and text to 97,097000. You can text the word alive. You'll get a response that'll help you if you made that decision. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week as we close out the series.